When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's poppin' everybody? Hello and welcome to Popcorn Culture. My name is Ben Carlin and I am your host. Here with me today is my brother Jay, who will be in every episode as a special guest. Better known to the to the little colonels as Jazzy Jay. As Jazzy Jay. That's right. The other yeah, host of the Yeah, Jazzy Jay and Buzzy B. Jazzy Jay in the house. Ben, do we have a corny joke today? We don't. I, no? Literally, I'm unprepared. This, this is not a good moment for me. This is the kind of hold hosting. On, hold on, I'm improving. Wow. wow. Mm. I'm going to be able to sort this out. Hey, Jay, here's a real question for you, though. Yeah. What What say you if if someone called up and said, we want to give you two a morning show? Yeah. Like a, like a radio show in the morning. Yeah. Do you feel... I, sometimes when I listen to radio shows in the morning, I'm like, these people are so remarkably talented in their ability to be entertaining are you day ima- after day after day. Are you imagining we're like some like shock jock duo who's like playing music as well? Or it's just like, we just want to give you guys like a block of time to talk well, or play what, games or tell something. Tell me more about the term shock jock. Shock jock would be like any, like not not any, but often I would think like top 40 station where you just have two DJs and they're just like goofing off each other and ripping on each other and stuff. That's sort of what I'm imagining. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because here's the thing. I'm thinking about like radio DJs and like how we record, you know, roughly an hour, hour and a half worth of podcast content on the weekly. Yeah. These folks that show up to be morning show DJs are talking for like five, six hours. Well, not continuously. Not continuously. Largely it's playing music. It is. uh, Fair enough. they They do tremendous hosting jobs and much on the fly and much prepare more than we do I imagine <laughs> yes yes no I, I personally I just find it to be remarkable I yeah. feel like there's there's always that that sentiment that comes back where I, I think it's Ryan Seacrest who said it maybe but like as soon as you think you could do a radio DJ's job it means they're doing it extremely well uh, like because the effortless nature at which they're able to just carry conversation about things that are completely relatable to large numbers of people is like a rather specific skill. It is. It is uh, underappreciated, I imagine, by... I mean, because that be, that's the nature of it. It's like the more it sounds regular and just like, oh, I think I could do this. That's that's the better job they're doing. That's how it's supposed to sound nice and conversational. I know you're just using this as a stall tactic, but if you look up the corny joke, uh, let, yeah, I'll answer your question. Yeah, yeah. If and when the BBC calls and it's like, hey, popcorn culture, uh, Jazzy J and uh, host guy, would you like to host a radio show here here in in the UK? I'd be like, well, yeah. I don't know why it has to be there. Why, why in the UK specifically? I mean, yeah, why? Jay, because we have those fantastic foreign accents. That's right, you know? That's, that's, that's true. I, okay, this is, no, this is a genuine question. Yeah. It's like, if you were in high school and there was like an exchange student or literally just a family that happened to move from the UK to America and their students enlisted at our Cape Spring High School and they had that quality British accent. Yeah. Is it the same effect if we were to go over there? Right. Like, would people be like, wow, is that an American accent? Yeah. Because I don't feel like we have a very romantic sounding voice. Yeah. Is it? Is it romantic in the UK in the same way that like a like a British or Irish or Scottish accent would like feel romantic here in the States? Yes. I, I see. I've, I've maybe already un- undermined my own point, but I suspect that it depends where, it could depend where in America you're from because it's not like an American accent is just oh, yeah. across the table sort of thing. There's many different, you know, accents, even within states sometimes. Uh, Yes, I I think about that constantly. Like, America is effectively, like, there's a way you could almost look at it like it's 50 countries. 50 little countries. 50 little countries scattered all about. And, yeah, because the, I would say, like, the culture, the the accent and everything, if you're in Texas versus Florida versus, you know, the Midwest or something, Mm. it's all going to be very, very different. Um, Anyway, this isn't really a joke, but I do think it's funny. Okay, you have a, a... A corny funny. I have a corny funny. Okay. Tell me your corny funny. Jay, a book just fell on my head, and I only have my shelf to blame. 
<laughs> pretty good. Yeah, right? Pretty good. Right, right, right. Yeah, 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 it's the shelf's fault. Yeah. Oh. That's like, it sounds like the sort of thing, like, uh, like, like your dad might arrange to happen just so this could, just, just so we could rip this joke right, on you. Right, right, right. Like, oh, God, man. This book just fell on my head. I guess I only have my shelf to blame. <laughs> Kids, did you hear? Hold, oh, honey, put it back. Put it, put it back on the thing. Put it back on. I don't the think thing. they heard me. Yeah, they're not laughing. I th- do you think? Do you think there are modern day people our age who call their significant others honey like that? To me, like I just did that as if like, oh yeah, this is what some dad would say to his wife. Right. Is, like. Like, I, I am a dad. I have a wife. If I ever called Beth honey, that would feel the weirdest. It would feel so out of place. Oh, I, yes. Like, hun? No. No, oh, I don't even like it. It, it doesn't go <laughs> right at all. It doesn't right at all. <laughs> no, this is, this is like a thing I feel like when you're in a relationship and the first time you like go to like drop one of those, those pet names. Yeah. Would be like, so I frequently I will call Alice babe. And that I do remember the first time that I did it, it was, it was almost like it like kind of like came out where I had like thought about saying or like referring to Mm. her by like a term like that before. And then it almost like I had spent so much time thinking about it in my head. Like, can I do it? Can I pull it off? Like, is that going to, it's going to sound normal or is she going to respond to it? Well, Mm. and I, I think I was just like in the car and was like, you know, can you open this bottle for me or something? Cause we're like on a road trip. And, and it was like, babe, could you open this? Uh, <clears throat> did that go? Did that work? Did that feel normal? Yeah, it's one of those. That's that's just that's just faith. It's you, just faith. You just throw it out there, and you just gotta. Who knows where it's gonna land? No, this is this is like exactly. We we're talking about it. I think last week on the pop, where whenever I make like a big life change, I almost always have to do it as if like <laughs> this funny thing I'm gonna do, like grow a beard or dye my hair. Yeah, you, yeah. It's like you couldn't <laughs> quite do that there. And, well, and that was the thing. It was like, yeah, like I. Would it be funny if I called you babe? <laughs> can, can we be that couple? Oh my god, babe. What do you? What do you? But what do you think? Like, <laughs> I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm gonna, we're now we're there. That's, now we're there. I do think I is because Beth and I also use the term babe. Okay. Does Alice call you that sometimes as well? She does. Okay. So I wonder if babe is the current is like the modern day honey. Oh, I it? see. Because yeah, I, hmm, I feel like maybe it is. Because like when we were kids, I don't think like I think like I feel like our parents use the phrase honey i don't know maybe not a lot it, it felt more common for adults to say that now i'm trying to remember yeah now i don't know if i'm just remembering wrong i do think they're like when i like the word babe has changed a lot since we were kids like when when we were kids like babe meant like really attractive girl like what a babe you know <laughs> I don't know that I've ever said that sentence in my entire life. No, no. But you're right. You're right. <laughs> right. That was the, that was, it, it felt like the, it was more of a descriptor than like, um, than like a like name. Like a name. Use. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. That's, yeah, that's interesting. That, but that, okay, so that's a question that we can throw out there to you guys is what do you call your significant other, if anything? Yeah. Or does it like morph at all? It probably morphs. Yeah. Based on like the couple. Right. Stuff. Right. Yeah. So that's actually, I would say that. Originally, so I started calling Allie babe and then, or this, I I really don't call people by their name almost ever. Mm. So why would you? uh, Right. Yeah. So I think even in this, this particular episode, I've referred to my wife as now babe, Allie and Alice. Yeah. But like, sometimes I'll even refer to her by her last name and just be like, Haynes, what what you doing? Did did she keep her last name then or? Well, uh, she... I, she's, I think she's going to change her last name. She hasn't done it yet. Okay. But we, we, we got married in d- January of 2020 and then, you know, sort of quarantining and all that promptly happened. And it certainly wasn't something that was like so high priority that it was worth, mm-hmm. you know, like going out and being in public or going to like a public building or something to get it taken sure. care of. So right. as of now, I think she's just sort of, it depends on where we are. If we go to like a restaurant She'll usually use Carlin. Yeah. And she'll say, like, you know, Carlin party of two. Which even that, that's a terrible example because we're not going to restaurants right now either. Yeah. So I don't know why. What is even the point of last names during quarantine, you know? It's it's no no longer functional. No no longer a functional part of your identity. Abandon it. I would say that I'm more Buzzy B than I have ever been Ben Carlin. Wow. That's just my new my new identity. Alright, so we've abandoned last names. How were first names, Ben? Last pop we asked people to make acrostic poems of our first names goodness gracious and we had people do it we had so many people do it oh my gosh so we had tons and tons of tons of emails come in where people had gone through and across our names Benjamin and 
Uh, what is it? Acrosted. Acrosted. No, that just sounds like acosted. That's what I was kind of going for. Right. Yeah. You've acrosted me. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe with some of these, that is the case. Maybe. But, <laughs> no, they were really funny. We had tons of submissions. So we're, we're going to read a few of them here today because I thought these just turned out so spectacular. Emma writes... This is, this is for Benjamin. Okay. Beings enter narcissism just as mermaids initiate neurosurgery. <laughs> Pretty good. So, okay, let's break it down. Beings enter narcissism just as mermaids initiate. This is, it makes it sound like, like when you're being really narcissistic, it is the same as every mermaid when they start brain surgery. Like all brain surgeon mermaids are like so arrogant. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, I believe that's... Like, this is a known thing about it's neuro, like, neuro mermaids. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yes. It's it's just like, oh, man, <laughs> you're a neuro mermaid. Yeah. I know what that means. Yeah. I, Someone, okay, your ego's a little out of check, okay? You're not... <laughs> what, what are you, a neurosurgeon mermaid? <laughs> <laughs> it just seems unlikely, honestly. <laughs> Okay, so this was this was also from Emma. This is your name. Okay. Jam on narwhals antenna, thaw hallucina- hallucinations over nothing. Oh. Jam on narwhals oh, antenna, thaw hallucinations over nothing. Now, imagining the antenna means the horn on the narwhal here. Right, but although, isn't the the horn is actually a tooth, is it not? It is a it, tooth, yeah. That's the, that is the actual, like, name of the narwhal's horn. It is their... Uh, front left tooth that has it like grows and like backwards and then like curls around and comes out through the front. So imagine your tooth was really long and didn't come straight down, but instead curled backward and came out through your nose. That is actually making like my teeth hurt. Yeah, it's and my not my teeth is about how would you talk? I guess you don't use the top of your mouth. It doesn't move. But I don't like the idea of a imagine tooth curling. Like, imagine your tooth you like turning around like get, catching a tooth on the door. You know. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, no good. No. But um, as such, it is possible that the front right tooth also does it. So you have like a bi- bicorn. Let me ask you this. Narwhal. Do you ever have the teeth anxiety dream? Where I'm like losing my teeth? Where like your teeth are like, they've like become soft or they're falling out. Or... I, actually, no, I know this is a really common one, but I it's not one I suffer from. You don't? No. Okay. Do you have a common anxiety dream? I get all of them. You get I get, all I get the every dumb. anxiety dream known to man. Uh, the one maybe that I can recall the most is where I am, I am trying to run. Uh, and your legs don't work? It's not that my legs don't work. It's that uh, I, everything else in the world is happening at regular speed and I I'm like, my legs are moving in like slow, my legs and gravity are acting on me in like slow motion. So I will like hit the ground and push off as hard as I can. And then I'll be like stuck in the air waiting to hit the ground again. It'll just be like, I am like, my brain and my arms are just like, come move. Like you got, like you need to move. And like, it's like, it's going so slow. And it's like, if I could just get there, if I could just, if I could just get there. Oh yeah. That's, that's the one I have. Interesting. Not very often, but man. Yeah. I have that one. Certainly plenty of times. I have the, it's always my English class, but like I go through an entire semester of like my final year of college and I like skipped English class for like the whole semester and like the exams coming up. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I like started skipping this class, never went back, Mm. and now I'm going to fail because like I literally forgot that I had this class. Oh, like that was the extent to which in my mind I'm like skipping it over and over and over that like I literally forgot about it. I, now that you mention it, I actually have had a dream, a series of dreams where I too will, it's also English class, yeah, where I will like just, I'll like go to it the first time and yeah, then it'll be like, weeks later I'll be like oh my gosh I just keep forgetting to go yes yes yeah. that's it that's yeah. it exactly Ugh. like I forget just not even on, whew, but interesting I think I've had like progress in that dream where like I, I've had that dream and then in future iterations of the same dream I'll be like I this time I'm remembering and I will go Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah, no, this is, this is like, I think really what it like goes back to for me is always that feeling that everyone else in the class was much more prepared for whatever was going on Mm. than I was, which was just such a massive feeling of insecurity. Yeah. Like it was like, if you like miss the first couple of days of class or like, I remember uh, when I was in, I believe it was first grade they had originally put me into like one english class or like writing class and then they had like a more advanced writing class yeah and i guess after the first like three weeks of school they were like oh we need to put we need to put them downstairs in like the the advanced class in first grade apparently Mm -hmm. and so they literally like changed my schedule and like moved me to that other class and during that time 
that teacher who was teaching writing to the, those other students had gone over like all of these little like inside jokes, rules of the classroom, like things that I had no idea about. Oh. And most specifically, there was the idea of the rough draft oh. was introduced. Oh, and I remember and you missed it. Yeah, and so I didn't know what a rough draft was. And so I remember they were like, okay, guys, we're going to like write a story about your dog, but it's okay. This is just a rough draft. Like just, you know, like whatever you want to put down, like we can go back and we'll, we'll fix it later. And in my mind, I was like, it never occurred to me that there was a scenario that you wouldn't deliver your best work on your first try. Right. So like the idea of a rough draft did not make sense to me. Like, am I intentionally making it messed up? Like, and that's the thing too. It wasn't even like, grammar or the type of storytelling that I was doing. It was literally the way I was writing the letters. I was like intentionally oh. making them like squiggly. You were like, <laughs> and it was like, it was like, like, this seems like so much more work to like make it rough. To like make it rough. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So that oh was like, gosh. I was like, I was so confused <clears throat> as to what a rough draft was. And it, it made, it made no sense to me. Yeah. Um, well, I remember, yeah, the rough draft was something I think that throughout my English class career, various teachers would be like, all right, your first draft is due on Friday. And then, you know, the actual paper will be due next week or whatever. So they would like get your rough draft and then like mark it up and then send it back to you. Right. And to me, it was just like, I'll just make these corrections. Then I'm done. <laughs> right. You know, exactly. it, it was never like, okay, <clears throat> I've done more research. I've thought more about it. I want to rewrite these sentences or rewrite these paragraphs. It was like, I basically gave you my final draft and you corrected it for me. And now, I will turn in that same thing with the corrections. Yes, you know? exactly. Because it was like, I, I, you, why you want me to do the whole thing twice? Like, uh, you know, this is this was, and it's like I know what they're going for, and like they're trying to make you do it so that you will like learn good habits and do rough drafts so that you can go back <clears throat> and make corrections and stuff and like rewrite it. And it's like the way they're doing it is not like an effective way because it's like they're just making it work rather than like giving you like a, a finished product that you're proud of in a way. This is like, this is, I feel like research papers in particular were plagued by this exact thing. It would be like, now you have to turn in this paper and you have to make sure you have two sources. One has to be from a book, one has to be, and it was just like, you're just like, like, what is the point? Like, what do you mean? I'll just write the paper. Like it never, it was like you had to put, you had to go find sources for the sake of the assignment, not because it like better informed your paper. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, and I it was, yeah. You know what I mean? I, no, I know exactly what you mean. It was, and I remember doing that exact thing. And I remember in ninth grade, I was writing a research paper and the goal was that the assignment, basically they would go through, the teacher had all of these like myths throughout history or like unsolved whatevers. And so I was given Bigfoot. And yeah. the purpose of my research paper was to prove that Bigfoot was real. Right. And like that was, I was supposed to like write a paper with sources that basically like, like come to the conclusion that Bigfoot is in fact real. Sure. And yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about where it was like, I spent several days. So she would give us like all this time in the library where we had like an entire week. Yeah. And all we were supposed to do while we were there is just research for your, whatever you were doing, Loch Ness yeah. Monster, Bigfoot. And so I had to just look for books everywhere for anything that had any information on Bigfoot. Yeah. Just so that I could literally be like, yeah, so I use this textbook. It has one sentence about Bigfoot in it. That was so often what it felt like I was doing was like looking through books and be like, oh, I'd like, you know, get to the paper and be like, oh, right, I need to, um... I need a I need a sentence from like I, need, I don't have a source yet so I need to go find a sentence from this book I can include. Right. Like okay, here's my source or whatever. Right. Yeah, but, it, it's such a it's such a disjointed way of doing something is the being like you need to have three websites, three books, three interviews or yeah. something like with with people. Yeah, like it's it's so it's so sh like cart before the horse if you know what I mean. Like Yeah, where, that is that's kind of exactly how it felt. It was very cart before the horse like teaching. Right. Very right, right. Yeah. So it was very very bad backwards like you weren't able to just actually try to go out and, and solve the problem which is it's so funny to me how literally as a profession now what we do is write research papers literally every single week yeah. back to back to back and how through all of high school i literally never understood right how it, it worked. like now that like uh, it's like it, it's interesting because you're like what we do is try and sell people fictional versions of fictional stories right right, <laughs> right. like here's my here's what about this and it's like that assignment you just described where it's like, yeah, try and sell me on this fictional thing based on research. It's like, that's almost exactly what we do. Right. It's like, what a great way to drum it up and still just... I remember that exact assignment. I had Atlantis and I remember thinking like, this is just so, I don't get it. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> was there any part of you that was like, Atlantis isn't real. And so I don't know how to try to prove it 
to you that it is. Yeah, it was just, it wasn't maybe even framed in that very like, you should prove to me that it reals. It was just like, tell me why some people think Atlantis is real or something. I was like, okay. Okay. <laughs> that was sort of, I think, my approach to it. Is Atlantis real? I mean, probably, Ben. Have you seen the pyramids? <laughs> what else is there? I have absolutely no idea how they could be connected. <laughs> yeah, that was the uh, big basis for it. It was like the pyramids lined up with certain stars or something. And uh, Oh, yeah. that is interesting. Okay, yeah. I'm sold. There you are. <laughs> Atlantis. Atlantis. You know, <laughs> Where all the mermaid neurosurgeons are. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's <laughs> Just exactly out there being it. cocky. Yes. Speaking of, <laughs> okay. I think from Simon Ross, we have another acrostics. Okay. Across uh, me with it. You've been acrosted. <laughs> here, is, here is Jonathan. Jaunty, outstanding, naturally amazing, terrific, handsome, analytical, nice. Ooh, 10 out of 10, Simon. Well done. So this is a completely different direction where where less uh, of these words are connected to one another and they're all connected, connected to your personality. To me. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. person, I think, seems to, they're, they're playing into my own uh, neurosurgeon. Yes, yes, they <laughs> are. Know. <laughs> Tendencies. Tendencies, indeed. Oh. So, okay, this is this is an interesting thing. Uh, I feel like in our our office for Super Carlin Brothers, we've had tons and tons and tons of conversations about self assessment, um, personality mm -hmm. assessments, <laughs> um, like personality tests. Personality tests, yeah. yeah, like where you would sit down and and like they've got like Myers Briggs, I think is like the really really famous or the, one. Yeah, or like the Enneagram. The or Enneagram. Even Hogwarts houses to a lesser extent. Right. Right. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, like so that's the thing. I get emails from people all the time where they'll they'll like quote something that I said and they'll be like, LOL, and you think you're not a Ravenclaw. And it's like I feel like the entire viewing community that like sees me through, you know, whatever my online character happens to be as very much that kind of thinker. Yeah. But then I feel like if you know me in real life, the assessment that Slytherin I think tends to fit mm -hmm. a lot better to my actual like day-to-day -day personality. Right. You know, just my, my resting disposition, if you sure, will. Sure, sure. Um, but who knows? I mean, it's like, it's so hard to fully comprehend yourself. Oh, isn't it? That's, that is the trick with so many like personality tests is that like when you're taking them, you're like, how would this, how will, if I answer it this way, how would that affect the results? Right. You know, like, what are they trying, what are they trying to get at here? Exactly. Which yeah, is yeah, why yeah. like, I really want like the personality tests to, you know, I, I want one where you cannot overthink that element of it at all, where it's like, you're presented with a cactus. Does that make you think about red or yellow? And you're like, oh, geez, I have no idea what either of these would mean, I guess, oh, red? And it's like, red. you're this kind of person. <laughs> you are kidding me. You would go with red when fronted with a cactus? Probably. Really? More than yellow. Oh no, yellow all day. <laughs> so you were totally different. <laughs> Way different people. Yeah, but... Yeah, yeah, so where you just have no idea where the questions are taking you, but it's like, no, this means things. Yeah, okay, but, so here's the thing. So I was watching Moana yesterday while I was folding laundry, mm. and there's that, like, really, really big moment where she's, like, out on the raft, and Maui has left, and she's, like, basically giving up, like, the mission. Yeah. When, like, her, her grandmother shows up as sort of, like, an apparition and, mm. like, talks to her. And there's, like, it's a huge moment of self-discovery for Moana's character. Like, she, like, all of a sudden, all of the pieces of the puzzle start to fit together, and she, like, starts to realize, like, she understands who she is. Yeah. And to me, this is like one of the most powerful moments in like all of Disney movies for ah. me as an individual. Right. And I think it's because I struggle with this very thing constantly. Yeah. It's like, I feel like I, I have such a hard time figuring out who I am, what the perception of me is, what type of like, I don't know. I don't have like all the pieces of the puzzle. There's so many unknowns. <laughs> right. And so like I operate in constantly like this like self-deprecating way where it's like I have to think negatively about myself because I, I don't know. Like, Interesting. To think positively about yourself is a great thing to do. So, um, but for me, I always feel like it's going to err on like some version of like arrogance or you know like overconfidence. Right. You don't want to be a, like any, a you any don't want to be that mermaid, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Base, <laughs> Merman. Sorry. Baseline confidence is you've already reached the point of of being arrogant. That is that, that is like that, the, the way that my brain works is you can't just be confident in yourself because the moment you are. You have gone too far. With Better it. to assume you just suck at everything. Pre precisely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is like, this is something where I feel like my whole life, I've always wanted to take one of these assessments or like the Enneagram, I feel like is so interesting because you start hearing 
the characteristics be read aloud and you do hear like these things that so perfectly explain why or how you think about things and you're like yeah. oh my gosh right that is me it is sometimes you get those results and it's like it's a little too accurate yes yeah yes uh it's interesting you brought up that moment in moana and described it the way you did i feel like i get the exact same feeling at the end of frozen 2 when elsa's like in the ice cave yeah like that mo i don't know why what it i don't know how it's different from that scene in Moana, which I love. That's like one of my favorite parts of the movie, which is like, I am Moana. Right. Yeah, really cool. But yeah, that moment, like, I don't know, that whole song where she's like, you know, going through the ice cave and stuff. It's like, it's like a very emotional experience for him. It's like, it's definitely tapping into something I very much feel. I'm like, man, I don't know what they're doing here, but it is like very real to me right now. <laughs> okay. So I think this is interesting for a couple of things. I want to add a small amount of Frozen 2 commentary. So like Frozen 2 is a strange situation where I so love the music. Like I think, yeah. the, I do think the music is better. I, the every time I try to go back and I usually like fall asleep to Disney movies, I don't know if I actually like enjoy watching Frozen 2 the movie. Oh really? Yeah. Like it is, it's like, and I feel really weird saying that because I know it's like, it's a, it's a really great movie and I really like the music from it, but like the story doesn't get me. Mm -hmm. at all but you're right i think that we're comparing similar situations between like moana's moment and elsa's moment yeah but i feel like there are as, as soon as you were describing that i'm like what is different about me and your circumstances right that... yeah well, i was trying to think that too so what do you think it is well okay this is gonna sound <laughs> this is not even gonna sound like confidence level ben this is gonna sound like you step you left arrogance way in the past but i feel like elsa has a very like like her family role is like a huge deal to her. Right. Like what she like represents to like the rest of mm -hmm. both the kingdom of Arendelle. Like and who also... she is versus what what's expected of her. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Which I feel like would make a lot of sense for you because you're like an oldest sibling because you have three children, you know, mm -hmm. like, I don't know. Like you have these like sent like uh, areas of responsibility. Sure. I guess yeah. that that probably are big things that I imagine would weigh on you in some capacity, whether it's like an positive or negative way they're mm -hmm. your key responsibilities yeah whereas i feel like moana is like the chosen one uh-huh and i feel like that's like the the like moment i don't know like that it's it's she also has a responsibility to her people and like to all that type of stuff and everything. Right. That is very like, I don't know if maybe that's part of the reason why it's different mm. is because literally in my mind, it's like, am I the chosen one? Are you the chosen am one? Am I the chosen one? Do Are you like out on a raft singing like I am Benjamin or? <laughs> or like, are you Neo programming and like the white rabbit <clears throat> shows up or mm -hmm. are you Harry? I all, mean, all the chosen these, ones. Most of those characters are like, so, like typically written so that the reader can feel like they are that they are that the person. person i was man so this was an interesting thought i had the other day having read through the ballad of songbirds and snakes recently which is the prequel story to the hunger games right if in case you don't know that recently came out and it tells the story of a um young president snow yes yeah and it was making me think like some people think it's like really dark and so I don't know if everyone loved it or anything. I liked it a lot, but it made me like really think a lot more about the hunger games itself. And it's like, it's like when we, when I read the hunger games the first time, it was like, it was so easy to imagine yourself like as like the Katniss character, especially I think for us. Cause we're like, She's from, like, Appalachia, basically. We're yeah. like, you know, we we grew up in the Appalachian Mountains. Like, District 12 is where we're from. <laughs> yeah, we would we would live in District yeah, 12. Yeah, we would live in District 12. It's like, yeah. oh, man, I could totally see it. Like, you know, you fight the Capitol, and oh, it was just so cool. It was down in the woods. And it's just like, but I'm, like, reading it, and it's like, it's very easy to imagine your, like, to put yourself in, like, the Katniss role or whatever. But I'm like, everyone who reads this is has no, like, I would say most people, I, I would bet, have no idea like what Katniss is like. If you're re cause here was my genuine my takeaway was that if you're reading the Hunger Games and you're rooting for Katniss to win, then you you are effectively a capital citizen. Oh, right. because you, because you've become a part of the spectacle. Right. You like, have become part of like your you fun, you are watching the Hunger Games. Yeah, you're like the fun like everyone loves the first Hunger Games the most. Maybe not everyone. To me, the widespread consensus is that the first book is the best one. Sure. And the second one, it kind of goes in order. I, that, that's my, I don't know, maybe you have your own opinions, but to me, it seems like general consensus is that the Hunger Games is, is great, Catching Fire, also pretty good, Mockingjay. Well, there's no games. It's not as much fun.
Well, there's no games until it like effectively there are games. I know, but they're not like they're not even called games. It's just like, oh, I see, you've turned the capital into like an arena. <laughs> right. Sneaky, sneaky. But it's not a, like the first two books to me are so much more fun because it has the games, and the games are the fun part. That's what the book is about. Right. But it's like the, you're watching the games. You're like you're rooting for her because she's your champion. You know. It's like, like when, like really, if if you're reading the Hunger Games and then you're doing anything except rooting against the capital, if you're just like, you should be reading it in disgust the whole time. Like, oh, this, everything should be making you mad. Right. You know, right. like the the very circumstances that they're put inside of. Yeah. When like, you know, Katniss kills Cato or whatever, if you know, that's like, if you're like, yeah, she did it. You know, it's like, that's, that's not the right answer. <laughs> well, I know. And I, I do feel like, so with that, not to go so ridiculously deep into specifically the Hunger Games in case people are not like quite as tuned into that particular story. But I do feel like the way that like Katniss does kill Cato at the end is like out of mercy. So, okay. Maybe, maybe Cato is a bad example. Sure. Because sure, sure, at sure. that point, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, maybe at that point you're just like, oh God, the, they've turned all the tributes into dogs and. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah, even Cato was sort of like, this is what they want. They want a show. And you're like, oh man, even Cato gets it. Even Cato is yeah. oh man. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. At other, uh, other points then, I guess, where she drops the tracker drackers on him. Yeah, and, right, you know, right, right, yeah. And you're, you're like, yeah, you did it! You're exactly right. <clears throat> and, and there absolutely is that kind of, like... They, that's part of the story, too, is they do create these, like, jockish yeah. type of, you know, the career pack. Right, they make like, the... They, they, but you fall victim to it, like, like as if the careers are the villains. Right, exactly, yeah. right, right, right. Like, they, they are also still children who have been put into an arena to fight to the death yeah, for entertainment of other people. Right. Yes. And I'm so, I'm so, I'm not trying to like insult anyone's interpretation of the Hunger Games or say that this is absolutely you're a bad person if you rooted for Katniss because me too. It's so fun to read the Hunger Games. Yeah, no, I mean it's a, it's a really interesting story, of course. But so okay, so I guess circling back to our how we originally got there, like so you, did you see yourself in the driver's seat as Katniss? Like, would you have made the same decisions? Oh, or okay, let me ask you this. Let me back up even further. Do you crave? at all the scenarios like where you could conceivably be put into a decision into a situation where you had to make the right decision which is a hard decision oh i don't know if i crave that there's certainly like times where you i feel like when i'm watching like post-apocalyptic stuff where i'm like i feel like i would thrive in a post-apocalyptic world right very, like, right, like man yeah. i don't want to, have to deal with all this stuff it would just be like just surviving i feel like i would be so good at surviving right Right. Yeah. Popcorn Culture is sponsored by Shopify. Y'all are likely aware of the fact that we have our very own Shopify store, Carlin Brothers Mercantile. And it's hard to imagine not having it now, but arriving at the decision to open our own web store was a big one. In fact, we started our journey on the interweb back in 2012 and didn't finally open up shop until 2018. And a huge part of that is just not knowing where to start, but that's where Shopify steps in. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, which is a fancy way of saying it's a really easy and effective way to start an online business, no matter if you're operating out of your garage or have like a whole building or three or something. Once we were set up, our biggest concern was trying a new product only to discover no one was interested in it. But Shopify is powered with so many reports, more than you can even imagine. And this is so handy because it allows us to use data to better provide what folks are actually interested in. It's so easy to use, but even if you do find yourself caught in a jam, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash pop pop. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash pop pop now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash pop pop. Popcorn Culture is supported by Arena Club. Okay, so you guys know that I love trading card games and that me and Ben are big time collectors of Pokemon cards. You know, it's that childhood fantasy of finally being able to use adult money to buy those highly coveted rares of our youth. And like, even in our office, we have not one, but two full display cases with some of our all time favorite rarest cards that we've pulled. But something I did not know existed when I was a 
kid in my youth was the grading process for trading cards or sports cards or whatever you're collecting. You know, to me, it was just like a rare Charizard is a rare Charizard. Like it doesn't, doesn't matter if it's been hanging out in my pocket with my lucky paper clip. Turns out it does matter and kind of a lot because if you get your cards professionally graded, it can add huge value. And then not only that, but once they're graded, they will like seal them in that pristine condition inside of a plastic case or what's known in the industry as a slab. And that's where Arena Club steps in because it's like buying a booster pack, but it's for a pre-graded card. Now, I know that can take like maybe a second to wrap your head around because you're opening physical cards on a digital platform, which means you open the pack online and see your polls where they can be added to your showroom for the world to see. But you can also request them to be sent to you at any time. So they have got a ton of pre graded cards and then you will get to randomly open one and then they'll keep it for you or they can send it to you or you can just like sell it or trade it online or whatever you want to do. But whether you're buying, selling, trading or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have got to check out. And right now you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash pop pop, which wow, that is a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's like $40 right there. Anyway, that's arenaclub.com slash pop pop for 10% off your first purchase. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Well, I, I mean, it, I feel like there's there's maybe something to be said, and this is almost like the, the like the hierarchy of needs. I think when it comes down to it, is that you know, like at the bottom of the pyramid is the most essential things in your life, like food, water, shelter. Yeah. You know, and then like as you move up the pyramid, eventually you get to things like I want a really cool mountain bike for my own personal entertainment. Right. You know, and it's kind of like, well, that's not really you know <laughs> like that big of a need. I've always wondered if there's an inverse relationship as you go up the pyramid of the hierarchy of needs needs with the fulfillment that you actually would receive from accomplishing that thing. So like the higher up the pyramid you go, the less fulfillment you actually get from anything versus like in a very primal survival situation, the idea of like finding food mm -hmm. on a given day or, you know, like building it's a shelter that you perceive to be safe being like, like safety, you know, right. like physical safety. Right. You know, it's like, like there's, I, I think that is where like when I like when I daydream about like one of these mm -hmm. like worlds that you might live in, it's almost like, okay, okay. If I could like build a bunker that would be like safe from animals on the ground or something like that, mm -hmm. you know, like, but also provide protection from the elements. Like the idea of accomplishing that would be so endlessly fulfilling. Uh, see, I, I think, I think, I think what the, I see, I totally see where you're getting at. My suspicion is that the pitfall here is that you're thinking about this as someone who is further up the pyramid already. Right. But exactly. Like, if you're, the idea of being like feeling fulfilled or like feeling accomplished if you're at the bottom level is not is not a luxury you even have. Right. You're not you're not like building you're like look what I did. If you're cuz you can't you're so low on it. It's not there's no feeling of accomplishment. It's just that I had to do this. Right, exactly. You know? Right. Yeah. It's right. Like, so so maybe maybe that's like the the idea of seeking fulfillment maybe is like in itself is a luxury. 
Yeah, ex- I think that's, yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Interesting. It is an interesting thing. Hmm. It, yeah. And it's also fascinating because I think it can be, a, at least a, a little bit, it can be like a plight, you know, like the, the a sense of being underfulfilled mm-hmm. in life, you know, where it's like, oh, like I'm maybe the job that I'm doing is not like bringing me a sense of purpose or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All right. It's a thought experiment. There we go. We're getting deep with Ben again. Getting deep with Ben again. All so right. why don't, that seems like a perfect time to transition to, to another, another acrostic. acrostic. All right, this is like our little our little uh, tangent points. This is our tangent points. Yeah, if we get too deep into a topic, See, the good people... news is we can just like hard hard turn ourselves out of it. Right. See, people are always like, I don't know, I don't know if I'm into poetry, but look at all, look at all these look at all these deep conversations these poems are bringing us to. Precisely. Exactly. Precisely. And these aren't even that serious of poems. Or are they? They're pretty serious. Let's okay, see. this is gonna come from Anna Durand. Here's the name Benjamin Button. Engineers noticing jealous angry meatballs in neckties. <laughs> so wait, is it those are all they each have a, a period after every word as I'm reading it on the page here? Yes, which is why I delivered <clears throat> it in such a way. But to me it's all just one sentence. Button engineers noticing jealous angry meatballs in neckties. Oh so like, button engineers are like so the buttons are the engineers. No, I think these are engi- like engineers of buttons, like button engineers. Like, what do you do? I'm a button engineer. Like I built, you know, I work on buttons. No, but see, I hear an engineer that is a button, like like almost like the jelly beans inside of like Inside Out. It's yeah. like it's like a small circular object with four holes drilled in it and two eyeballs, and that's an engineer. The button itself is the engineer. I'm but imagining- you're hearing it as an engineer of buttons. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm also kind of imagining, like the guy who comes and installs the new, at Inside Out, they come and install like a new control control panel at the end. Yes. Yeah, that guy, the guy who installs it would be a button engineer because he, you know, he worked on all the buttons. But is he shaped like a button? Doesn't have to be. Well, I feel like he does. Okay. Anyway, so... So why are the... Why are the jealous, angry meatballs in neckties? Uh, so button engineers noticing jealous, angry meatballs in neckties. This to me seems like the button... So it sounds like the jealous, angry meatballs in neckties are... I feel like they're the Who suits. are they jealous of? They're like the suits, yeah. They're the suits, yeah. So yeah. the the button engineers, the boots boots on the ground, so to speak, mm. maybe. Like they're yeah. the they're the ones out installing the buttons. Yeah. Whilst being shaped like buttons. Yeah. Are noticing okay, interesting. Like, yeah, what what are the what are the meatballs jealous of? The meat yeah. I'm imagine these kind of just being like guys in suits who are just like they're like Maybe like seem really successful, but, but they're jealous, they're of, the jealous of the button engineers. Like, like they're just looking down at them. They're like, oh man, I, I wish, I, I wish I did that. I do this, and it's it makes me angry. CJ, maybe it comes back maybe, to the exact same thing. Maybe it's, maybe it's fulfillment all over again. It is. They're just it's like, like I wish... nobody wants to be the necktie. Everybody wants to be the engineer. Button engineer. Yeah. Well, maybe. Let's see what Anna Durand had to say for the Jonathan acrostic. All right, ready? It's yeah, go ahead. Juggling oranges, not apples. Totally honest apples noobs. Juggling oranges, not apples. Let's be clear here. <laughs> Juggling oranges, not apples. Totally honest apples noobs. Totally honest apples. So <laughs> it sounds ha- like noobs is like a finisher. Right, right, right. Yeah. The, okay, so the, the, the sentence is being directed at the noobs. Yeah. And it needs to be clear that they are totally honest apples and specifically not oranges. Right. <laughs> yes, it's two things. Like, these noobs don't even know the difference between apples and oranges. And let's be clear, not honest only, apples. Not only are they apples, these but they're honest. These are honest-to-goodness apples, not oranges, you noobs. Oh, man, that's great. That's a pretty good one. It is a pretty good one. Okay. So, what is, what is, the, what is like, the importance, then, of juggling true blue apples, which are red, instead oh, of... Oh, actually, they're, or, they're, or, they're... Sorry, they are juggling the oranges, though. Juggling oranges, not apples. Oh, wow. Okay. That flips everything on its head. Oranges, not apples. Totally honest apples, noobs. Maybe, maybe are they saying that oranges are honest apples? Totally oranges, not apples. Totally honest apples. So apples are oranges. Apples are. We're comparing apples and oranges. In a way that makes sense. oranges are just honest apples. Wow. Wow. Take that, noobs. This is really deep stuff. Wow. Okay. Okay. Moving on. Sheila W. Okay. This is, this this is is Benjamin. Benjamin. Okay. Best expressive normal jokester acceptable monitor ice nausea. <laughs> I 
love that they used nosh at the end because that was my closer. That was your closer. So, okay. Best expressive, normal jokester, acceptable monitor iced nausea. It just sounds like, this sounds like it's just more about you. You're just like the best expressive, normal jokester. You're uh, an acceptable monitor, I guess. And the the non-clearness of the ice in your life is bringing you nausea. That's what I'm, that's what I'm getting from it. The, or maybe the, (coughs) maybe the icing on the cake is nausea. (laughs) There you go. All right, and then for uh, for Jonathan, we have Jabber, Overconfident, Needling, Arrogance, Twins, High Hand Assessment, Normal. Well, uh, this one feels a little more needling. It does. It feels like it's needling me a little, isn't it? It, it? does. It does. Yeah. It does a little bit. I don't understand. I mean, we could start Overcom- calling you Jabber J <laughs> instead of Jazzy J. Absolutely not. <laughs> Isn't a Jabber J a thing from the Hunger Games? It is. Wow, we've wow. come full circle. We have come full. We have come full circle. Goodness me. Okay, mm. okay. Boy, there are so many more of these. There are so many more. My goodness. Man, we could probably just keep talking about this. We, we need a way to decide a winner. Basically. We do. Okay. Although, Here. okay, okay. Let me say this. We, me and you sort of discussed a prize for whoever wins our uh, acrostic poem challenge. We did. And, and we're gonna, I'm going to segue it. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Nice. Whoa, here we go. Because something we have not circled back to in a couple episodes and I think we need to is Ben's one cup life. One yeah. cup Can life. you give us the uh, the cup date, as it were? Oh my God, that's perfect. Right? A cup date. I have to give my wife credit for that. She, she totally coined that phrase. Nice job, Beth. Yeah, Very well clever. <clears throat> Um, okay, so cup date alert. This is something that Alice and I were doing lots of like clean up around the house the other day. And we mm. were we were talking about sort of that like very freeing feeling when you like start to get rid of more things. Oh, that's great. Like, uh, yeah, you just you sort of like take the stuff that's in your house that you're not touching and you find like useful places for it to go. Like, yeah. Not just like throwing it away, but like, you know, either bringing it to Goodwill or finding friends who like might need those things. Mm-hmm. Um, or actually I had a, I had a box of 30 pounds worth of Legos, just basic bricks. Yeah. That once upon a time I used to make this conference room table for yeah. like, a, I don't know. There have been so many points in my life where I, speaking of cart before the horse, where I was like, basically the only person employed by this company, my company. Yeah. And I had this, I was able to negotiate with one of my clients to get this like cool office that had yeah. like floor to ceiling windows. And it was like, I don't know, it was really awesome. And so I was like, oh man, I need to like deck out this have office. A cool office. I have a really cool office. So like literally in a job where I was never taking meetings or anything, I felt the need to go through and build a conference room table, buy a couch and like armchair chairs and a coffee table and have like a water cooler and like all this stuff. Right. So that like I had like a real office. Yeah. And it was like literally for no reason at all. Like right. there was no one who was attending. <laughs> right. The, the, this particular, you know, space. Yeah. I wasn't taking meetings. And one of the things that I saw, cause I wanted to be super clever was people who made conference room tables where the entire surface of it was like Legos, like connected sideways. So you have like a flat surface. It's yeah. not like the nubbins facing up. It's like whatever. So anyway, I went on Twitter and um, was able to find someone that I was able to ship the entire box of Legos to. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, this is so nice. I was able to take something and send it to someone who's going to like super appreciate it. Yeah. And now I don't have this like giant now box of Legos. Your house weighs 30 pounds less. It does, which is good. It was, yeah. it was weighing too much as it was. So anyway, Alice and I were talking about it. The reason I, I bring that up because we we like this idea of almost even paring down to having like two plates that we like leave in like our main cabinet mm-hmm. each. So like we both have a plate. Oh. We both have like our cup. Okay. And so the the whole idea has been like, you know, basically are there ways to go through and take the number of decisions that you're making on a regular basis, like out of play? Well, that, that is really the goal. And like, I think if people are like wondering, like, why would you want to get rid of stuff? Why wouldn't you just keep it in case or something? It's like the, the real thing you're doing by like decluttering your life is removing the like mental load of decisions in your daily life. Exactly. You know, if you've got uh, I'm going to use my kids as an example. If I've got, you know, 20 toys on the shelf, that's 20 things you have to put away. And that's 20 things you have to decide where they're going to go at the end of the day. And if you've only got like 10 things, that is literally half, you know, and that's great. That's good. That's, that's a lot less decisions. And if you can like work that sort of thing into more areas of your life, you can severely like literally lighten the load on your brain. Right. 
Well, and so, okay, this is the interesting thing that I observed about myself over the weekend because I was cleaning out my basement, which is always just like, you know, kind of sheer pandemonium. Right. And the big thing that I was dealing with was like every time I do this, which is probably like two to three times a year, like I'll go through and like do like a really big deep clean where I specifically take the time to like neatly place things on top of other things mm, and have, mm. you know, like everything in just, just such a good way is the idea that like everything has a place and it's in its place. Right. But with so many of the random things that you never touch, like a, you know, a box of old puzzles that you might not ever do again, is kind of like they all go into like a stack sort of in the basement. And then randomly, there might be that one occasion where you go to get something and you pull like one box out from the middle and then the whole thing starts like piling on itself. And right. It becomes this like mishmash of objects. Yeah. It's almost like it's because those things don't specifically go there. I was just able to neatly organize things I literally never use. Right. So that's, and it's so hard to be honest with yourself about whether or not you never use something or whether or not you're going to never use it again, because that is the the number one hangup everyone has when you try and get rid of stuff is the, but what if I need this? Right. But like, mm, but, but mm, I could need this. And if I get rid of it, then I won't have it. And it's like, yeah, but it's been sitting there for three years and you haven't touched it. So... Right. So... So, so maybe you don't need it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you don't need it. To me, like often it seems like if, yeah, if there's something I come across and I'm like, I have not, I forgot I owned this. Like if you're at that, if you're like, if you, if you're at the, I forgot I own this stage, great news. You effectively didn't own it anyway. Right. That is a great indicator. Get it. Get, get rid it, of it. Get it gone. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's the thing too. So it's like, but then things that I do use on like a not frequently, but periodic basis. So like a snowboard, for example, it's like the best thing to do with my snowboard is to like literally have like a, like a mounting system on the wall where like when I get back from a snowboarding trip, I know exactly where the snowboard is supposed to return to. Yeah, that, like oh, it's yes. not just like which corner of the basement has the least amount of clutter in it where I can like go and set it down right. where it won't be actively in my way. Yeah. Cause that's, that's basically what always ends up happening. I carve paths. Yeah. So like there's always a path through my basement. You can yeah. always walk cleanly through it, but almost always along that path in any direction, there are old party supplies or coolers or, mm -hmm. you know, like garland from oh. that time. I tried to do that mantle thing for Christmas. Because you can use them in the next party. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We want these 4th of July pinwheels for right. the future because they're like such a hit last time. We got like 10 cups left over. Should we, we just we'll use them next time? We'll use them next time. Yeah. <laughs> have anywhere so, to put those 10 cups though. I know. I know. And that's the thing is that like, because <laughs> it's not something that you're going to consistently go back to and pick up again yeah. in the future, it's like, you, it doesn't need a reliable place to be. Right. And so then it ends up just being anywhere. Yeah. All yeah. of this to say though, that my goal with One Cup Life is to just sort of like, you know, further do this. And the big thing that I've been doing and struggling with was choosing what cup I felt like was going to make the most sense. And I actually, whilst cleaning, I ran across a water bottle and I was like, man, this could be sort of perfect. So really? it's like a stainless steel water bottle. And I can't decide if I'm going to use it yet. I still think I'm still leaning towards my 20 ounce Yeti like Rambler mug, but I kind of want to buy a new one because I want to see how much like damage will come to it because I sort of love when things are like used. Right. Like I like when things are like very clearly like scraped and bruised and like, it's like, oh yeah, no, I use it all the time. It's like, so, that's, so not an indication of, that's not an indication of my lack of care for it. It's an indication of my love for it. So, but let me, let me see if I follow you. You have a used one. I do have a used one, but, but you, I do want a new one. But you don't like one. it because it's already used and you want a new one to find out how used it can become. Precisely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. It doesn't, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with it. But I did find this other water bottle that Allie gave me and it is, it's like, I was like really excited about it for like half of a day because the way that the water bottle is sold, it's like, uh, it looks like a bottle of water, sort of like tall, slender with like narrows to the top with like a screw cap, but uh, screw cap. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. But the thing about it is that about two thirds of the way up, you can actually unscrew the top of the water bottle from the bottom of the water bottle. Mm -hmm. And this is specifically for cleaning purposes. Okay. So that you could like clean the bottom half. Cause like it a does cup. the narrow top. Cause it's got the narrow yeah, top. So like, clean. otherwise really all you could do is like fill it with soap, shake it up, pour it out, stuff like that. But you right. couldn't like actually put scrub it anything other than like a bottle brush in there to clean it. So I was like, this could be kind of cool though, because if I was drinking something like, you know, a beer or something, I can pour the beer into the top. Cause you wouldn't want to drink beer from like a water bottle. I think, I guess it's technically this what a beer is... bottle looks like anyway. Yeah. I don't know. Like you, if you, I've got like metal cups, I drink beer out of. Right. Well, so it would be a metal cup and it would be, it would act much more like a pint glass right. when it's in <clears throat> its collapsed form. Okay. The problem is that the lip on it is like not intended to be a sipping lip. It's so it's made got, for, oh, it's, it's like, like 
it's not really like problematic. It's just a little bit more sharp than maybe you would want it to be. Okay. It's not like a blade. I, I want to be clear. It's like, it's rounded, but it, it's still, I don't know. It's just not right. It doesn't sound like, it sounds like something you could deal with for a night because this was the cup you had yeah. that night. It doesn't sound like the something you want to deal with at all times because this is your only cup. This is your only cup. And that's the thing. It needs to be a cup that, that can be all cups. That can be all cups. It's a very challenging thing. But anyway, long story short, the, our two favorite acrostics, we are going to send a cup. A cup. A cup. Whatever, whatever cup you land on. Whatever cup I land on. Will be the acrostic champion. And then you will cup. have your very own Fred. Then you can have, dude, we put up, I think it was in our Frozen video last week discussing how the trolls are villains. Yes. And there was a shot of you with your dogs waiting for the mail as part of the, the brand deal for that video. And you had a coffee cup with you. And so many comments were like, is that Fred? Is that Fred? Oh man, is that the cup? No way. Yeah. It was so it's very exciting to see the, see the little kernel out there in the comment section as well because I always I think of like in my mind it's like there's crossover between the pop and the channel like oh I know like of course there is of course it is like the primary place we've advertised I, I would love to hear from you though if you have if you discovered the pop independent of Super Carlin Brothers the YouTube channel like if you're a listener and you like came across this podcast without knowing that we are YouTubers that would be fascinating that would be fascinating because it, it is something that I feel like every time we talk about our job as YouTubers I feel like I need to clarify like the Super Carlin Brothers YouTube channel, like as if like there's a very strong possibility that you listening at home might not know that. Right. <laughs> but then at the same rate, it's, it's probably at least within the, the realm of the internet, most likely the thing you would know us from. It's probably, probably you came from there to here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe not. Maybe at not. At some point, this is this is its own entity. Oh. You know? It's exciting. It's super exciting. Yeah. It's super exciting. Okay. So I want to read you two of my favorites. Both of these were from Claire Isbitz. Okay. I think these came out really nicely. And they put them in like a fun little like pictographic sort of different colored. Oh, text I see. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So for Benjamin, we have beers and <laughs> beers. Beers. <laughs> Got beers on the brain, apparently. Yeah. Bees endure nausea just as men investigate narwhals. <laughs> It's like, it's like the way in which men try and get to the truth about the narwhal is the same way in which the bees are like, I am so, oh, oh flying at these speeds. Gotta just, oh, boy. It also just makes me happy that they use nausea again. Yeah. Because I feel like that's such a good one. Yeah. Also, I feel like a really interesting thing about narwhals is, I'm not sure if this was a joke documentary or a real documentary, you know, from National Geographic. It was about, uh, like a group of, um... Narwhals? Narwhals. A pod. A pod. As they're known in a group in their fictional existence. Okay. Well, so there are rules about hunting narwhals. Sure. Because um, I think in order to protect like the the species as they exist yeah. or don't exist out in the world. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> so like if you are to hunt them, there are these like very, very, very specific terms. Like you have to be using like a man-made kayak and they use like a like a buoy system where it's like a like a sea otter's pelt that's been like inflated. Oh. And I think that like it, it actually is this process of like spearing it, but then preventing it from being able to like swim down by like the buoy system or something like that. Oh, it's like how they catch jaws. Yes. They like it, harpoon them with kegs. Well, maybe that was, maybe that was somehow inspired <laughs> except, except by, these are by narwhal hunting. Hot air otters. Hot air otters. otters as it were. Otters. But the interesting thing about it is that the, it seems um, really cruel to the otters. <laughs> it seems very, I mean, I think that it sounds very cool, but the, the, the whole idea is that a single narwhal is, is all you can hunt one and it can feed like an entire tribe for like a huge period of time mm -hmm. and there's this like really bizarre uh characteristic of narwhal skin that it is like shockingly high in vitamin c sure like which is just sort of a rare vitamin to find in natural right. living things it's like, like an honest apple <laughs> it's like an honest apple no quite literally though so they say that like like pound for pound there is i think more <clears throat> vitamin c in narwhal skin than there is in an orange. An honest apple. An honest apple, okay. to be clear. Um, all of this I just found really, really, really fascinating. It is weird, and, and I wonder. Interesting. Huh. Um, so. All right, well, speaking of narwhals, Claire Isbitz, Jonathan Acrostic also mentions them. Oh, okay. It actually mentions otters too. Wow, okay. How about that? What do you know? Um, <laughs> this is actually a really funny acrostic, it's a really funny given acrostic. the information I just gave. It is. Oh, oh, my goodness, my microphone just fell apart. Uh, I'm gonna hold it. Here's the acrostic. 
Joyful otters never attack the hungry auburn narwhals. <laughs> well, not directly. <laughs> oh, goodness. That is... Joyful otters never attack the hungry auburn narwhals. It sounds like a, like a proverb or something. It does. Like, what a, what's your read on this situation, guru? It's like, well, the joyful otter never attacks the hungry auburn narwhal. It's like, oh. Uh, what does that mean? But what, is it, what does that mean? Are yeah. we the otters or are we the narwhal? Yeah. Um, yeah. It sounds like you want to be the joyful otter. Like, if you want to be a joyful otter, don't attack the hungry otter narwhal. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows that. You know? You know? Well, how very interesting. I, I'm actually sort of blown away that we just told an entire story about otter skins and their role in yeah, the and, capture of a narwhal. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is what happens to those otters. <laughs> Those are not joyful those otters. Are not joyful otters. <laughs> oh that's, man, that's I, how the specific otters are chosen. Is the, the I, shared the hungry auburn narwhal sounds so much to be like it reminds me of like that episode of SpongeBob where they have the um uh, the the Alaskan bullworm or something. You oh right, yes, one? I do. Yeah, was there a third modifier in an Alaskan bullworm? I feel like there was. I don't know. You would remember. I would remember. I'll look it up while you talk about things. No, it's just Alaskan bullworm. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So la last last one that I feel like I need to read here. There, there was one from our pair from. Madison Gibson, uh, we'll start with you because that's the order that Madison went in. So Jonathan stands for juice, obviously not a Turkish hazard, also nausea. Oh, the nausea returns. The nausea returns. The nausea is everywhere in these acrostics. Nausea always returns, doesn't it? <laughs> it really always does. Actually. That, oh, isn't that a, t I've thought this before. It's like, you have not thrown up for the last time. Oh, don't say that. I, like, isn't that, a, it's like, huh. Hmm. Is that true? Hmm. It's probably. like you, you never get to overcome. Yeah. I mean, at some point you will have, but probably also, not yet. Also kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah. This is, this is actually like, I remember, I think in year one of Super Carlin Brothers, I made an entire video about, have you already lived the best day of your life? Oh my gosh. Which, what a depressing thought. I, well, it is what it isn't. I, I guess it really just depends. Like it's because like the, I don't know, like the best day of your life is such a good day. It's yeah. like something you get to have. Yeah. Like you're always aspiring to have the best day of your life. Yeah. So you wake up every morning, like maybe today. I don't know if I wake up every morning thinking like <laughs> maybe today. This could be it. This could be it. I'm going to um, walk outside and find a hundred dollar bill. Is that what would make you have the best day of your life? I feel like it would be a real good starting point if I just walked out my door and was like, jackpot. This is, things are going Here well we for go. Jazzy J to J today. <laughs> Jazzy J to J. J. <laughs> no, but it's, I, I feel like it's, uh, it's an interesting thought because I guess I, I, what maybe even makes it sadder would be potentially the thought that you didn't realize at the time. Mm, sure. It feels like almost definitionally you couldn't realize at the time because if you were like actively thinking about it, I feel like that would undermine it. Like this is the best. This is the best it's ever going to be right now. Right, like, right. That would be taking away from your enjoyment. Like you'd have to be blissfully enjoying it. Well, so do you ever have moments like this? Like, I, I think every once in a while, like when the, the like the GMA gets together or something like that, like I will almost like step back a little bit and just like take in the room and almost be like, man, it is like, it is not common when I get to be around all of these people at the same time. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I do try to like almost actively savor it mm -hmm. inside of the moment so right. that I can like, like almost like, really appreciate the good thing for it's happening. Right. But I guess you're right. Like it, it does make me wonder almost like, does that take away from it? It's better to just like to live purely in the moment. Purely in the like moment. That? Or is it more of an indication that like you had the time to step back and think about it, meaning maybe you weren't fully engulfed. Maybe. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. And say, yeah, stop reflecting Ben. I can't help it. Me and Mike and John are over like, what is Ben doing again? He's just like staring into space. <laughs> kind of like myst mystified. Is he, is he drooling? What do you think he's thinking about? Nausea. <laughs> <laughs> Nausea. Oh my gosh. Oh man. Okay. Well, I feel like we've, we've, oh wait, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to read mine as well okay, from, yeah, Madison from Madison Gibson. So this is, this is Benjamin to close out the day. Bumblebee enchanted nymph, just a mighty island nausea. <laughs> All the nausea. All the nausea. Bumblebee enchanted nymph. Okay. Uh, so Buzzy Bee? Is that like where the bumblebees come oh, from? Oh, maybe. Maybe. 
I feel like it's interesting how much our acrostics influence the acrostics that have been sent to us so far. Okay, speaking of which, the one you did last week about that ended in nausea about like berries <laughs> energized. Hold on, yeah, let's try yeah. to remember. Berries energized, never mind. Jam? Yeah, jam actually makes it nausea. So is that right? I'm trying to, how do you spell your name? B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N. Yeah. Jam actually makes it nausea. Is that right? I think that's it. Well, anyway. <laughs> So we had several people uh, design or put that poem on like a very like nursery looking like piece of artwork or like draw it up. Yes. As if you might hang it in a nursery or something. And in such a way that people would like maybe see it but not read it. Yeah. It was so funny. Like they were, they executed it so well. That it's so, this actually is almost like a good way to like maybe like troll your friends and family and stuff is to almost be like. Yeah, and like like put something like that on the wall and just like wait for the first person to be like, what is this nonsense? <laughs> like, like how long does it take for someone to actually pay attention to your artwork oh, enough? You need like a like a passive aggressive like thing on the wall. It's like that you never bring up, but when someone finally realizes it, they're like, oh, like it's like like yeah, like something like this where it would go unnoticed. You probably wouldn't read it, but if you did, it would say like, yes, I am mad you're not using a coaster or something, you know? Oh my gosh, that is so funny. <laughs> right, like. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, um, can you please pay attention to the conversation or right. like <laughs> so, something that, that like would suggest that the person was clearly like zoning out. And right. Yeah. Not, they're like, yeah. Stop reading the sign and pay attention. Dummy. Dummy. Yeah. Classic. Classic, Classic insult. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, guys. Well, we had so many acrostics that we need to dig through. We will go through and pick winners and announce them next week on the pop. Yeah. Okay. So the if you winner guys... of whatever uh, whatever cup Ben lands on to be his one true cup. My one true cup. His one true Fred. My one ah, Fred, the best. Otherwise, guys, I want to give a huge thank you to the following patrons who have just started supporting us or have been supporting us over on Patreon, including Nolan Faber, Shalice War, Ryan Raider, Emily, with an exclamation point, Amanda Lance, Marcus Mueller, Edith, Angela Whitehead Ivory, and Emma Forrester. Thank you guys so much for your support on Patreon. Uh, if you guys would also like to support the pop, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash popcorn culture. Yes, you can uh, choose to, we only have three tiers. You can choose to be on Team Jazzy J, Team Buzzy B, or Team No Host, which why would you want to do that? Because then we just have to open every episode with just 15 seconds of complete silence instead of one of us hosting, which is what you're voting for when you sign up for uh, Patreon. And you also get access to After the Final Pop, a show we record after this show. Yeah. And uh, just like 10, 10 more minutes of content for you. There you go, guys. So be sure to check it out. Again, that is patreon.com slash popcornculture. Otherwise, until next week, pop pop! Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.